Hello and welcome to the Hot Copy Podcast, a podcast for copywriters all about copywriting. Now, many of us are familiar with Google AdWords as part of our knowledge of SEO. We try and get our websites to rank organically, but are writing Google AdWords a profitable part of a copywriter's portfolio of projects? Can you use Google AdWords to shortcut your SEO efforts and get to page one? Today, we're talking to Google AdWords expert, Melinda Sampson. She's going to give us the lowdown on Google AdWords, the good, the bad, and how to write them. My name is Belinda Weaver. I'm a copywriter and my business is called Copyright Matters. And I created the Copywriting Masterclass course. I'm actually flying solo today is Kate, as Kate is jetting across the ocean to a conference. We're actually in the same time zone, but we're not together for this interview. So I'm going to get straight into introducing our guest today, Melinda Sampson. This is your bio, Melinda. So get ready. Very posh. <laughs> Melinda, co-owner of Click Winning Content, is a premier Google partner all with capital letters, and Google AdWords and Analytics Consultant, Speaker and Trainer. She works with businesses to increase their leads and sales. Melinda is committed to never using an acronym without explaining it first and also gives, also likes Grand Slam Tennis, Greyhounds and Melbourne Sunsets. That's, <laughs> that's a really good mission, never using an acronym without explaining it first. And she finishes by saying, basically, what I do is I help businesses get maximum value from their AdWords campaigns. I live, love, and breathe AdWords, which is handy. Welcome to the show, Melinda. Thanks for having me. This is going to be really interesting because um, we had Lauren Bartley on talking about Facebook ads, and I feel I feel like Google AdWords is kind of in that same thing where people know a little bit about it, but it's a little bit of black magic as well. So I think this is going to be really interesting for everyone. Awesome. So, so let's get started. For anyone who doesn't know about Google AdWords, can you give us a brief summary about what they are. Yep, good place to start. So most people listening would be familiar with the ads that you see in the Google search results. So there's now up to four ads above the organic search results and the Google Maps, and there can also be some at the bottom. So they're part of the AdWords program, and that's called a search campaign. And that's primarily what we'll talk about today. But I also like to let people know Google AdWords actually goes a lot further than that. So um, if you see banner ads hosted around the internet, a lot of them are done through a display campaign and that's part of AdWords. And a particular type of display campaign is called remarketing um, and that we all have remarketing, yay. Um, That's where you tag people who visit your website and you can then show them those banner ads when they visit all those websites that host Google ads. And it's a very powerful way to reinforce your brand and stay in front of the right people. So that's also part of AdWords. If anyone uses the shopping results in Google, so that's where at the top of the search results you can click shopping, All those ads come in there also from AdWords and also if you're used to seeing those ads on YouTube that you can skip after five seconds, that's also part of the AdWords um, campaign that you can actually get your videos there. So it is a lot more powerful than just the search results, but let's just focus on that today. Okay, fair enough. I actually, Mel looks after the remarketing that I do for my copywriting masterclass and I often get people (laughs) messaging me, my friends especially, who obviously have a little peek in my website and they say, oh, look, you popped up when I was reading the news. Do you have ads in the news? And I'm like, no, it's clever Google marketing. But it's awesome. (laughs) Like the first time 
you see your own remarketing ads, it's such a rush, yeah. I think, just to be like, oh, that's me. There yeah. I am out there. Yeah. So let's dig into the nuts and bolts of, of Google AdWords that we're going to be talking about. What's the general structure of a Google ad? So this is a really important place to start because we will talk about actually writing the ad copy and some tips for doing that in the podcast but it's important to understand that the ad that you see in the Google search results is more than the ad copy. Um, So there's things that are added underneath the ad and they're called ad extensions and they can add an extra three or four rows to the ad. So basically their purpose is to provide the viewer with more information but also make the ad bigger and more prominent. And they're things you might see like where you can see a phone number that you can click on. You might see a link to the business's locations. You might just see some extra information. And they're written separately to the ad copy. So the more people understand about the structure of how the ads are put together, the more you can write an ad that's actually coherent and not repetitive. Oh, that makes sense. And um, you've actually given us a screenshot to show off the different components. So we'll include that in the show notes as well. Yeah, and that's it's sort of hard to explain in words without the screenshot. And that's not one of our clients. That's just an ad that I found that I thought looked good. That gives an example of the different um, parts of what actually makes up the ad that people see. So what I can see in front of me is I've got obviously a headline, um, there's a URL, there's um, something that looks probably looks similar to a meta description, which many of our listeners would know as a meta description for a page. So you've got, you know, what, 150 characters or so. Then there's services and a list of services and then there's an address as well. So that's a pretty extensive summary of a business. Exactly. And the more people take advantage of those ad extensions, the more your ad's likely to get click on and the higher quality the campaign is. So it's good to include all these features in the campaign as much as possible. Absolutely. So what sort of content should you advertise on Google? Because, you know, many of us will know, especially after the interview with Lauren on Facebook, we're promoting content. Is that something you can do on Google or is it really just businesses? Look, in effect, you can promote whatever you want as long as it's not on Google's prohibited or restricted list. So generally speaking, we would run an ad campaign for a business that wanted to promote a particular product or a particular service. Um, But we do have a lot of campaigns that also get views of a blog and just help people discover new content. So I just... I think it's more important to know what you can't advertise um, and we can put some links to Google's policies in the show notes, but some examples, and they're pretty obvious to be honest, but it's things like weapons, explosives, hacking software, offensive content. Um, You can promote adult content, gambling and healthcare, but there's restrictions around that and particularly alcohol. Um, So just be aware if you've never run an ad campaign before and you're not sure about the sensitivity of the topic, um, I would always recommend calling AdWords support and just giving them a link to the website and asking them if they see any reason why the ad campaign might get disapproved. Okay. Do they have support that's pretty responsive then? Yeah. Yeah. You need to have an AdWords um, actual account set up to call them and then there's a phone number We do it all the time for our new clients if they're in one of those areas and often we get feedback and they say, pop this in the footer, change that, you haven't done that, and then they have another look at it for us. So while they can't be definitive on saying yes or no, they can certainly give really good guidance. Ah, that's good to know, everyone. Use the support that's offered. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) 
Um, so I met, I just threw out a character limit um, before, but let's let's stick into that a bit more because these kind of um, ads, I'm sure, are very limited on characters. You really want to make every character work. So can you talk us through the character limits for the different sections of the ad? Yeah, so what you'll see in the headline of the ad is actually made up of two parts. And then guess what? They're called headline one and headline two. <laughs> um, and they can be up to 30 characters each, but you'll see them run together in a line that's up to 60 characters. Um, and then you've got the description sentence underneath, which can be up to 80 characters. And all of these include the spaces as well. Um, and then I'm going to go a little bit geeky here, but let's just talk about the headline one and two. Maybe do you want to just do tips for them first? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so with AdWords, it's all about the quality. So Google wants to see ads that are relevant to what the person searched for, which means it's got the main keyword prominently, which we tend to include that in headline one. And they also want to see that the main keyword is used on the landing page that the ad's directed to. So whatever you do with writing the ads, if you keep that quality principle in mind, you are forever benefiting your client because if if an ad achieves what's called a higher ad rank, forevermore they can pay less per click and achieve a higher ad position. So that's a good thing and that's what we always aim for for our clients. Um, yeah, so back to the ad structure. Headline one, we tend to try and include the main keyword. And then headline two, we switch it around a bit. So sometimes I put a call to action in there like, call to make an appointment or appointments available today or shop online for fast delivery, those kind of Mm -hmm. things. And then I switch it around with a benefit statement that's relevant to the topic as well. And also really important with an ad campaign, I would recommend writing at least three to five versions of the ad for each ad group, so for each topic basically because Google's got a setting where you can test the ad basically that has the best impact and they will then show that more but you need to write those different versions and load them up to be able to test that. Ah, so this is where you get ads to test different keywords. Different keywords in some respects but it's more those different headline twos so switching that around like do people click more on something with a prominent call to action or would they rather see a benefit statement and also just writing the description differently. So that's where you've got... 80 characters, again, I would generally try to include one of the main keywords in there, but you've now got more space as of the last year or two in that bit. So we always try and write it as a proper sentence that flows really nicely. And I find those ones get clicked on better rather than just a list of things or something. Someone's tried to shorten so that they could fit it in with those 80 characters. So I think your recommendation that it's like a meta description is a good one, um, except it's shorter. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess with, um, with the, you know, that thing of that natural language works a lot better than just a list of things. We've seen that transformation in, in title tags and meta descriptions as well. That's what people are looking for and it resonates a lot more with them. And I have to say, I love writing AdWords ads when a copywriter's actually written the website because as much as possible, try to make the messages match, which, you know, so it's coherent. I clicked on the ad, I saw that, I went to your website, I still saw that same yeah. message. And if a good copywriter has written the website, there's always some bits that I can generally directly pull out, shorten or lengthen or whatever needs to be done, but just pop them there in the description part. Yeah, cool. Now, you mentioned these extensions 
How how many characters are those? <laughs> all right, I'm going to go a little bit Google geeky here. Um, there's all different types of extensions, but the one that I think is most important to the copywriters is called call-out extensions. And it's sort of, they can be up to 25 characters each and they appear in a row next to each other with a little dot in between. And we always try to write the call-out extensions first and make them things that are relevant to everything but not the most important message. So a good example would be high-quality service, 25 years experience, Melbourne-wide locations. So those kind of things that are really important, but if people didn't see them, they still see the main message in the description. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Like a feature list, your description's more the benefits and the call-out extensions are your features. That's exactly right. And with a lot of websites now, people are doing their homepage where they group three things already that says, we do this, we do this, whatever, and often we'll just take them directly and use them as the call-out extensions because they fit perfectly. Nice. Very handy. You don't want to duplicate anything in this description in that line, so that's why we sort of try to make the more generic things and write that first and then come up with a good description, and then it's important to look at all the different bits and make sure they fit together nicely. Yeah, I bet. I bet because the ad's a complete unit, but I guess you also want to almost write each bit as if, like you said, um, the call-out extensions don't appear, the ad still works. That's exactly, that's a good way to look at it. Um, A few of the other extensions that we use a lot, so one can add a phone number in there, which obviously doesn't need copywriting. One can add the business location, which is pulled in from the Google My Business page, so that doesn't need copywriting either. Um, There's another one called Structured Snippets, and that's really a list of your services or product types. So, for example, you as a copywriter, your structured snippets might be brand copywriting, websites, brochures, flyers, business cards, like whatever it is, Um, and all those parts can be added in as well. Cool. Well, let's, um, I guess, stick to the description maybe or the bits, you know, we're looking at the bits of the copy ad, which we know actually are, are multiple segments, but can you share some tips on what to write, what works best? Now, you've explained that testing can often give you a much better impression of that. But if someone's sitting down to write some Google AdWords, can you share some tips that will help them get that the first couple of versions going? So headline one, focus on the main keyword. If you've got the space, put an interesting adjective or something in there as well. Headline two, like I said, we often test a call to action in there and mix it around with a benefit statement. In the description, it's really important to highlight unique details about the products or services. Um, And in my opinion, it's completely fine to just Google search that keyword before you write anything and see what everyone else is writing. And we often aim to be different than what everyone else is doing, but often people are putting that copy in because they know it's work. So test something really unique and different and then test something that's the same and just see what people respond to the most. Um, as I said, write it as a full sentence in good English, add a call to action if you don't have it in the headline. And another good tip, if it's a high-end product, we always test adding the price in because that basically qualifies the clicks. So if you've got a handbag that's $1,500 and it might be $50, another handbag, we just put price starting from $1,500 because ideally you're then only paying for clicks on that ad for people that are prepared to pay that price. 
Yeah, that's really smart because what you're doing here is you're aiming to get qualified leads, not tons and tons of clicks. Exactly right. The more targeted the click, the better um, for me. And I suppose that links nicely into working with people that have conversion tracking set up in the campaign because that's how you'll find out how well your ad copy is actually working. Um, An example is just for people that aren't aware of conversion tracking. It might be sending an online inquiry from the contact page. It might be giving the business a phone call. It might be viewing a certain page. It might be buying an e-commerce product. But the more tracking the person has set up that's actually running the ad campaign, the more insights you can get into which version of the ad copy works the best. Nice. So it's handy to have that big picture view, obviously. Obviously. This is why I don't think anyone should ever just write the ad copy in isolation. Like you need to understand the strategy of the campaign, what the tracking is, what the client's hoping to achieve from it, all those different bits before you get started. That's like so much of copywriting. Writing it in isolation is so, so hard because there's so many moving pieces. Exactly. And this AdWords is just like any other brief that you would take. The more information that you get and the more the person understands their own business, the better job you can do. I saw, um, amen to that, by the way, um, I saw a way to add a countdown timer to an ad, which I've not seen actually in play before. But is that now anyone who's listened to the podcast for a little while will know my feelings on countdown clocks. They're very strong. Is that actually effective countdown timers in ads? Yes, it is, but it's one feature amongst all the other features and I'm going to keep emphasising that. So it's a good, it's like any countdown, you know, it can get people to act sooner or know that there's a deadline coming up. So certainly test that and use it if it's available, but it's not the whole thing, if that makes sense. Yes, it does. It does. I was hoping you say, no, it's absolutely spammy and rubbish, but we know that's not true. (laughs) It wouldn't um, be there if it was spammy and rubbish. Yeah, that's true. Damn it. I mean, every if you haven't listened to the pod for a while, I got suckered in by countdown clock and I'm constantly angry about it. Um, <laughs> so are there, as copywriters, we know there are power words that we can use um, to make our writing more effective in a lot of instances. Are there any kind of in air quotes magic words for Google Ads? I think all the good copywriting power words are good words. Personally, I try to stay away from things that are a bit more generic and you'll see a lot of ads just say, call us with an exclamation mark, which is very hard to say. Um, (laughs) So we try to mix that around and make it a little bit more sophisticated. But again, you just need to put all the words in that you think will work, write all those different versions and just test, test, test and keep testing Um, And really, another reason you can't just write the copy in isolation, like it should actually be continually tweaked to find the highest performing version. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of what we do as part of the AdWords management is review the ad copy every month, see which one's not as good. And there's two ways to really say the ad's good or bad. And one is the click-through rate. So what percentage of people that see that ad are clicking on it and which one's most effective at that? And the other one's the conversion rate. So which ad is actually leading to the most conversions at the lowest cost? And we're constantly reviewing that and tweaking it. And sometimes it's surprising 
you could move one short statement from the end of the description to the start and it will have a massive impact on how many people click on it. Oh, wow. That's that's quite remarkable. So, yeah, it's like, it's like that. The, the first versions you write really are the first versions. There's a lot more changes that, that come through. Exactly. And sometimes I'll test like a fun ad that I think is fun anyway and then like the boring generic one and the boring one will work better but occasionally the fun one's good as well. So the beauty of AdWords is you can test anything as long as it complies with Google's policies and how the ad has to appear, just always be making new versions and testing them. Speaking of appearance, obviously mobile is so hot right now, but it's, it is very important when we're writing copy and we're designing websites and obviously, you know, ad copy as well. So it does that, how much does the mobile versus desktop impact the ad copy? Very good question. So when the ads are actually uploaded to AdWords, there's a preview tool and you can have a look at the two different versions. So how the ad will actually look on mobile and how it will look on desktop. And it's not exactly how it will look, but it gives you a good indication. Um, And it's just good to understand that to see what people will respond to. Um, How it works now, we actually just upload one ad. We don't say we want it to be mobile or desktop but you can split the stats and see how that ad performed on different devices as well. Um, But bottom line, mobile is so hot right now and more and more, I think more people click on ads on mobile than, you know, laptops and tablets now. So it's very important to take that into consideration. Mm, And I know, you know, Google has been changing the way the ads are presented. So it's not as obvious as it used to be either. That's right. So you'll see them at the top of the search results. And in all honesty, I often get told by someone, no one ever clicks on those ads. And I actually think they're clicking on the ads, but not realizing they're the ads. Yeah. Yeah. It's tricksy. It's tricksy. Um, so we've got some questions uh, from our listeners. So we'll just ask you a few of those if that's okay. Go for it. Um, we've got Andre Johnson, who's um, a student of my copywriting masterclass. He asks, when doing keyword research, what is a good search volume to know if a keyword is worth using or not? Oh, my goodness. I love this question, but it's very hard to answer. Um, we believe in testing any keyword that you think is a good one. So certainly go to the keyword planet to get ideas for things In my personal experience, if it shows something there, so if it shows like um, 10 as the search volume, test it. And we also put together combinations of the keyword with a local suburb name. So, for example, if you're a dentist, try putting in the keyword with the dentist plus your suburb name plus that room of suburbs that surround your suburb because people that add the keyword and the local search term have intent to find what you do exactly where you do it. And often the keyword planner won't show that anyone searches for those keywords, but it doesn't hurt to put them in and test them. And you might find out, you know, you only got one click that month, but it converted because it was the perfect keyword, even though it had low search volume. Um, But it's also good to understand that Google has a thing called low search volume. So if people don't actually search for that keyword, it won't trigger the ad anyway. Um, And I just go back to if you think it's going to be a good keyword, just pop it in and see what happens. And as long as you've got all that good quality conversion tracking set up, you'll be able to test and see if it's effective. 
I guess it's the same challenge for niche topics as well. When you're doing something that is um, quite a niche topic, when you go into the keyword planning, you're like, no one's searching for this. But as you said, it might be very low traffic, but they all convert, which is great. Exactly. And the amount of searches every day that have never been searched for before is like massive. So always keep that in mind as well. Another question I got from Andre was, what are some good strategies for grouping keywords for ad groups? He asked, what should you group them according to? For example, an, an e-commerce site that sells shoes, what should there be, should be, and should there be one landing page per ad group or can they all go to the same landing page? So there's kind of two questions there. Um, grouping keywords for ad groups and can they all go to the same landing page? So if the website's well-structured, I would follow the structure of the categories and subcategories. So it might be women's shoes, boys' shoes, girls' shoes, men's shoes. Um, In simplistic terms, that's a good starting point, but you can then get as sophisticated as you want to. So you might then drill down to men's running shoes, what what do men call shoes they wear to the office, whatever that is. (laughs) Um, You know, kids' ballet shoes, um, boys' thongs. Just follow a logical structure and group things together that fit naturally as a group of keywords. If there's a different landing page for each one, that's the best option because, again, Google looks at the quality of the ad of is the keyword used in the ad copy and on the landing page. So if you can direct that ad to a landing page that's got the main keyword included in all the right places, which is pretty similar to where you would put it for SEO, then generally speaking, that would be considered a higher quality ad. Um, That as another example, so Belinda, for you going back to the copywriter, if you did brand copywriting, brochure copywriting, flyer copywriting, website copywriting, and you've probably got all of those services on a different page on your website, then that would naturally fit that they could become four different ad groups. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. And just um, for any international listeners, um, when Mel says boys' thongs, she also means boys' flip-flops. <laughs> They're the ones on the feet, not... <laughs> the ones on the feet. <laughs> the ones on the feet, yes. Cool. Um, they're good questions, Andre. I actually have also had those questions. So thank you, Mel. They were really great answers. Um, now, what I wanted to wrap up with is what advice would you give a copywriter looking to offer this as a service, writing ads? Because it sounds like it's really a collaborative effort between the person managing their campaign and the person writing. That's exactly right. So I would recommend this in two situations. So one is if you're providing that service to an AdWords agency and they're actually setting up the campaign and giving you the structure and explaining that to you before you go and write the copy Or the other case would be if you're really keen to get into this area, um, Google's got free online training. It's now called the Academy for Ads and we'll put the link in the show notes. You can go there and even just do a few of the intro courses that show you how to structure a good campaign and you can map all that first before you write any of the ad copy. Um, We actually have a magic (laughs) spreadsheet, which I love, Um, that Andrew made up who's an accountant and he loves spreadsheets and I could never do it but it counts the characters for us so I can just type it and it'll tell me if they're 30 or less the next one the next one kind of thing so we don't have to keep copy and pasting to word to go oh I need one less character which is 
to be honest, the story of every ad I've ever written. I just need one more character, um, but you can't have it. So if you're serious about it, just get someone to set that up for you as well because it makes your life a lot easier. Absolutely. And um, can you leave our listeners with one tip or more um, when it comes to writing Google Ads? Yeah, so actually I came up with three, um, but I'm going to swap one because I've already banged on about the importance of understanding the different bits that the ad campaign's made up from. Um, I think we aim to only ever run ad campaigns to high-quality websites. So it's really, really important. Now, I mean, you guys all know as web copywriters how fast people can go in and out if the copy's not compelling and it's not a good design and all those other things. So I would encourage you to get the client to look at the quality of their website before they even dip their toe into AdWords. Um, and I've pretty much said this as well, but always be testing. If you can get access to the AdWords account, you can actually see a better picture of how the ads will look And then if you do a little bit of that free Google training, you'll understand what the stats mean as well so you can evaluate how effective they've been. Um, And then the third one, and not that this is the copywriter's responsibility, but aim to encourage the client or the AdWords agency to always have that conversion tracking set up so that you can understand the ROI and how things are really working. Well, it sounds like, um, and if nothing else, our listeners might have some really good questions to ask the client, like um, what kind of testing is going to be undertaken once the, the, the copy's out there? How many, how many ads do you want written? Um, do you have conversion tracking set up so you can see the conversion rates? Because it's quite common, I think, for clients um, to blame the copy simply because they don't really know what's happening. But there's a lot of moving parts to a lot of projects. Another good question would be, are you working with an AdWords agency? In which case, to be honest, the AdWords agency is probably writing the copy, but just who's setting them up? And if the client's actually doing that, maybe ask them what experience they have and if they've considered working with an agency. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Well, we'll include your details in the show notes, obviously, because as you know, Mel has really knows her stuff. Um, so, so thank you, Mel. That was really good. I think that really shone a light. I think my my own big takeaway is all the extra bits of the ad that I had no idea, like the call out extensions and um, the path and things like that, and the two headlines. I didn't actually know those were options. So that's really interesting. And actually, just before we finish, because I didn't explain the path, but that's really important. So when you look at the ad and you see what's called the display URL, so the URL of the website that the ad's directed to, when you look at it closely, there can be two more little bits of text added after that. um, And they can be 15 characters each. And it's a really good place to include some extra keywords in the ad. So a good example might be if you had copyrightmatters.com and then as long as it was 15 characters or less, one path could be masterclass and the next one could be starts in March or something like that. So it just sort of re-emphasizes some of the important information. Um, And it's good if you're writing the whole ad copy to include those little paths And again, guess what I'm going to say? It's good to mix them around. Sometimes we just reverse them as long as it still makes sense or switch the word around there. And that can make a surprising difference on how often that ad gets clicks on as well. That would be a constant source of surprise for me to go, what? We just move these words around and it's completely different. Okay. (laughs) 
Sometimes it doesn't make a difference, but it's a really easy thing to test and find out. Cool. Well, thank you again, Mel. I really appreciate you um, sharing your wisdom. And Kate also thanks you from sunny San Diego. Um, Now, regular listeners will know that this is the time we read out a review of the show. So today I'm giving a shout out to Frel Sun, which I like to think stands for freelancing in the sun, but I, I can't back that up with any facts. So Frel Sun says, I'm not a freelance copywriter, but I do write sales copy for my business. So this podcast has tons of good info for me and others like me. I love the energetic and entertaining style that also manages to give the listener wonderful information. I love getting marketing and writing advice all rolled into one. I love how the hosts don't act so prim and proper like the majority of entrepreneur podcast hosts. I love how Kate and Belinda can be edgy and fun. Um, I keep coming back. So thank you very much, Frel Sun. And thank you for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to leave us a rating review on iTunes Stitcher. Your review helps others find us and we'll give you a shout out on the show. So please leave us a rating. Make us feel loved. You know we need it. Um, And you can also head to the Hot Copy Podcast website, hotcopypodcast.com and leave your comments on the blog post for this episode. So thank you very much, Melinda. Thank you. And yeah, ask me questions. Um, Bill's going to put all my social media links in the thing. So I love social media, not quite as much as Belinda does, but um, (laughs) yeah, I'm, I'm around there a lot. So feel free to ask questions if I can help. Fantastic. And of course, on behalf of Kate, thank you very much. Until next time, happy writing. Thanks for listening right to the end. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might enjoy my two other podcasts. I have one called The Recipe for SEO Success, which is all about SEO tips, advice, and helping you grapple the Google beast. And my other, The Confessions of a Misfit Entrepreneur, which is all about dealing with the stresses of running your own business. You can find both of them on iTunes and Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts.